0: One night, a wife found her husband standing over. Oh, yes, yes, before we jump into Scripture, before the uh, message. We have uh, a sad thing to do. We have a sad thing to do. We have to say goodbye to someone. So Paul and Jose, would you... Come on up here, and uh, I don't know if is Maya back there. She'll be back a okay, all right. Yeah, they've bought a house in Miramichi, and uh, they're gonna be moving in the next couple weeks. Saturday. Saturday. In the next week. I. Uh, I just want to say, uh, this family has been, uh, just an amazing part of our church, amazing blessing to our church. Uh, they have served in so many ways and, uh, just give over and above and, uh, just appreciate all four of them. We, uh, we got to see Derek married off last, was that last weekend? Yes. Just, that was just one week ago. Um. Saw Derek married off uh, last week, and uh, he's you know he and his bride have exciting future ahead of them, and uh, and Paul and Jose and Maya will be moving to their new home uh, on Saturday, as they said. So we're gonna really miss you guys, and uh, very sad to see you go. But I know that uh, you're gonna you're gonna settle into another church family and be a huge blessing there as well. So. Yeah, we want to send you out as as missionaries. I don't know. Do you want to say something? I can. <laughs> I know Jose doesn't want to, so. <laughs>
1: no, her her strength is at the uh, at the piano. Yeah. Um, yes, it is. It I, she had a, a little bit of a lead there, and it hit me this morning. I was like, that's going to be the last time, possibly. Yeah. That, uh, so there's been a lot of, a lot of times with Maya and, uh, and Jose at the piano and stuff that have been pretty, uh, pretty prideful moments in my in our experience here. Mm. Um, before I say anything else, though, I have a dad joke. <laughs> 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 so, so what did the house wear to a party? Uh, address. Address. Uh, uh uh uh. Address. Hi Maya. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, as far as things to share uh, I, as far as the church goes and uh, our current leadership I'm, I'm greatly going to miss that um, uh, very blessed here for the leadership we have and I, I hope and pray that um, we land in a place that uh, can compare to that because uh, I've really uh, been impressed and, uh, and and felt the challenge when need to be challenged um, by our leadership and the support when we needed it a um, few uh, comments that uh, have come up as of late is um, being flexible with our approach and how we're going to reach people and feeling challenged by that and being a family that nobody wants to leave mm. um, and I'm not saying it's not <laughs> I'm just saying that those are the goals that we need, right yeah and uh, and as far as reaching out into the communities it's not it's not this organization it it's the church body as a whole, and working together so I'm mm. um, really excited to see that you know Jim is still staying a part of the skate park and everything, mm. and that just I love to see the church as a whole coming together it's yeah. never just one uh thing so i'm hoping yeah. and praying that uh where we land that would be a, a similar attitude um and that i could be a part of those things so thank you very much for having us for i i don't know yeah what is it well, uh, 15
0: jose was 16. saying that she's been here since 98 so that's yeah. uh
1: yeah jose started i can't do math on the spot yeah. right now but
0: uh <laughs> it's a while
1: yeah yeah.
0: 24 years, 20,
1: 24. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's about it. So
0: awesome. Well, f- we want to pray for you guys, and uh, Pastor Graham is going to come and, and Pastor Pam as well. Let's uh, lay hands on you and pray for you. Uh, Scott can come lay hands on too. Thanks, Lisa. <laughs>
1: Even though they're crummy.
0: <laughs> crummy hands. <laughs> yeah. Come in behind, yeah awesome. Would you uh, extend a hand towards these guys? Not that that's magical or anything, but we're just uh, lay hands on them with us as you do. And uh, let's pray for them. Father, we thank you for this gift that you had entrusted to us for for a number of years and uh, in this family that uh, they've they've watched their, their kids grow up here. And uh, they've contributed so much over the years by, by loving and serving and just being a part of the family in, in a rich way. God, we are going to miss them. But, uh, but Father, we, uh, we know that you are leading them, that you're guiding them, God, into, into a new adventure, into new things. And, God, we release them into that new thing today. And we bless them as they go. We send them as missionaries to Miramichi, God, that, uh, that you would send them out, that they would find uh, the path that you have for them there to, to serve in a church body, but also to impact their community and their, their workplaces and school and, and all the things that they do, that, that your kingdom would shine brightly through them as it has here. And Father, we just pray your, your rich blessing upon their lives. Again, we we just we're thankful for them as a as the gift they've been and we uh, we release them in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 All right. Hey. Hey, Scott. (laughs) <laughs> All right, so one night, a wife found her husband standing over their newborn baby's crib. and Silently, she watched him as he looked down at the sleeping infant. She saw on his face a mixture of emotions, disbelief, doubt, delight, amazement, enchantment, skepticism, he would stand back, shake his head, and say, Amazing, while smiling from ear to ear. Touched by this unusual display and the, and the deep emotions it aroused, her eyes glistened as she slipped her arm around him. A penny for your thoughts, she whispered. Isn't it amazing, he replied. When you take time and really look close, how can anyone make a crib like it for 69 99 And that is a picture of most of our homes, right? There you go. So this morning, I want to start a two-part message. Um, so uh, we're, part one this week, part two next week. On this passage of Scripture, 2 Chronicles 7.14, there's, uh, I would say... Um, As you look at the things going on in our culture, as you look at the things going on globally in the church, I mean, we hear mess after mess. It seems like every week there's a new mess in the church that's, that's running through the media, right? It can be disheartening. can be confusing and frustrating. As we, as we even look inwardly at our own hearts and lives and maybe say, wow there was a time when my my heart was just on fire for jesus and 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 maybe maybe you know you're in a season because we all have seasons in our spiritual journey and maybe you're saying maybe you're saying that today maybe you're saying i'm i'm fired up for jesus and may, but or maybe you're saying wow i just when i think to the moments when jesus was most real to me and i was most Alive and on fire for Him, it's been a while, right? And uh, and and so we we talk about this word in the church revival, right? We we use this word, and it's a it's a good word in some ways, but it's been so overused that it just seems to not have a whole lot of meaning for us sometimes when we talk about it. But but it's the the word revival, right? It, I mean comes from from latin and and kind of through French and so on, so I mean you French speakers uh, would know that you know vivre is is to live right so revivre would be to live again right for that life to come back right so revival is Uh, You know, sometimes we think of revival being a time when a whole bunch of people come to know Jesus as Savior, And, and and I think that's a fruit of revival. When the church lives out what we're called to live out, when the church is the church that Jesus called us to be, then people come to know Jesus, right? But revival is about the church. It's about the life that used to be there coming back the fire that used to be there coming back right and and in this passage of scripture it's it, i find it really interesting cuz in second chronicles chapter 5 so so what's going on here in the first few chapters of of second chronicles is that uh Solomon has built the temple, right? The temple that, um, that God had told David, you're not going to build it. David had wanted to build a temple. God had told David, you're not going to build it, but your son Solomon will. So Solomon did. He, he, uh, and, and we won't take the time to get into details, but, but he built a magnificent building as a temple to the Lord. And, and in chapter 5... The temple's finished and Solomon and, and all of the people gather for a very special festival and feast. But they, they bring the Ark of the Covenant, that box that had housed the, 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 the Ten Commandments, the, the, the uh, covenant between God and his people. And they brought the, the Ark into the Holy of Holies of the, uh, of the temple. And then in, in chapter 6, uh, so, so, once it's, so once the ark is in there, at the end of chapter 5, it says that uh, the glory of God came down on the, on the temple so powerfully, so thick and heavy was the glory of God that the priests couldn't even stand up. They were flat on the ground under the weight of the glory of God's presence in the temple. Can you imagine Right, and then in chapter six, um, Solomon prays a prayer of dedication, and in his prayer, he dedicates the people of Israel on their behalf. He dedicates them to God, saying, "We are gonna, we're gonna serve you. We're gonna follow you. We're gonna pray in this temple that that you know that your presence is here." Um. But but then he also in his prayer, it's a long prayer in chapter six. He prays because he knows he knows the history of Israel. He knows, you know, the hearts of humans, how we how we drift away from our commitments to the Lord, and uh, and so he uh, he prays that if your people are defeated because they sin. So they're defeated in battle because they sin. And they pray in this house, then God, hear from heaven. So that's his prayer. That God, if we, if we blow it as a nation and we fall away from you, but we come to this place and we pray, then we ask God that you would hear from heaven. Right? And then he, he, he gives us long list. He says when he, the heaven is shut up and there's no rain because they've sinned, if they pray towards this place, then hear from heaven. If there's famine, if there's pestilence, if there's blight, if there's mildew, if there's locusts, if there's a siege by an enemy, if there's a plague, he just gives this list of, of things. And each time he says, God, if these things happen as discipline to your people because we've fallen away from you into sin then God, when we pray in this place or towards this place, then here from heaven we pray. And God's response is found in chapter 7. So God gave Solomon, in this moment, God gave Solomon at the maybe the, the one moment in Israel's history when they were closest to being aligned with God, right? We've talked about alignment recently and how it's important to align our lives with God's purpose. And, and maybe at this moment, when Israel as a nation was most aligned with God, God gives a, a remedy for the moments when they will drift away. He gives a path back to a place of blessing. It's very significant what God does here as he speaks to Solomon. And, uh, and so in uh, Second Chronicles... If you have Bibles or Bible apps, 2 Chronicles 7. We're we're not going to get quite to 14 yet. Let's give a little bit of backdrop here. So at the beginning of chapter 7, so Solomon prays this long prayer in chapter 6, and then they... uh, when he finishes praying, they've got, they've got a s- sacrifices on the altar. They've got everything set up for this moment when, uh, of dedication. And Solomon finishes praying, says amen or whatever he said at the end of his prayer. And in that moment, the scripture says in chapter 1, when Solomon finished praying... Fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. This is the second time it 's happened that on the same day the glory of the Lord filled the temple. the priests could not enter the temple because the glory of the Lord filled it right second time that day and the significance of the fire coming down from heaven the same thing happened. With the tabernacle, 400 years before, when the tabernacle was dedicated, fire came down from heaven and lit the altar, lit the sacrifices in the altar. Why is that significant? Because that fire from the Lord was to be kept burning forever, never stop burning because they were never to start their own little campfire to burn offerings, but it was to be the fire from God that would burn the offerings, right? Interesting. We don't need to create our own fire, folks. We need fire from God. We don't need to stir something up or sing the right song or do whatever. We need fire from God. In in verse 11, when Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace and, and succeeded in carrying out all he had in mind to do, the temple of the Lord... Uh, the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, uh, the Lord appeared to him at night. So that's interesting. God comes in bodily form and visits him. He does many places in the Old Testament. comes and visits Solomon. I and said, I have heard your prayer and have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. When I shut up the heavens, so this is in reaction, response to Solomon's prayer, right? When I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a plague among the people, if my people... Who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, will forgive their sin, and will heal their land. Guys, can you plug in the USB, the white USB cable there? Sorry, I forgot to plug it in. So God, God, in response to Solomon's prayer, says, yes, Solomon, you know what? I know, I know my people. And I know that they will have seasons of drifting away from their commitment to me. I want to make a pathway for them. I want to make it simple so they know exactly how to get back to where they were when they've drifted. Right? Isn't that amazing? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. If. Start with one word. If. There's a lot that rides on these two letters. A lot that rides on these two letters. I remember uh, in my home growing up, there was a poem on the wall which my father was quite taken with, and he would often draw my attention to it. And it was the, the poem entitled If by Rudyard Kipling. How many familiar with that poem? Uh, not too many. I'm going to read it uh, this morning. I think it's appropriate for Father's Day. If you can keep your head when all about you are losing theirs and blaming it on you. If you can trust yourself when all men doubt you, but make allowance for their doubting too. If you can wait and not be tired by waiting, or lied about, but don't deal in lies, or being hated, don't give way to hating, and yet don't look too good or talk too wise. If you can dream and not make dreams your master, if you can think and not make thoughts your aim, if you can meet with triumph and disaster and treat both those imposters the same, if you can bear to hear the truth you've spoken, twisted by knaves to make a trap for fools, or watch the things you gave your life to broken and stoop and build them up with worn-out tools. If you can make one heap of all your winnings and risk it on one turn of pitch and toss and lose and start again at your beginnings and never breathe a word about your loss. If you can force your heart and nerve and sinew to serve you as long long after they are gone uh, and And so hold on when there is nothing in you except the will which says to them, hold on. If you can talk with crowds and keep your virtue or walk with kings nor lose your common touch, if neither foes nor loving friends can hurt you, if all men count with you but none too much, if you can fill the unforgiving minute with 60 seconds worth of distance run, yours is the earth and everything that's in it. And which is more, you'll be a man, my son. The point of this poem uh, from Rudyard Kipling is that manhood doesn't come from being male and living old enough to be 18. It's the result of choices to live as a person of your word, to be a person whose life is spent in the service of others, not accumulating selfish trophies, but, but loving and serving others. It's not, it's not give, a given or an automatic result of just breathing, but it's a condition open to those that make certain choices that take them towards maturity and equality of character. Similarly, being a father doesn't mean you physically contributed to the creation of a child, but it means you provide for, protect, lead, discipline, and mentor a child as they learn and grow and become an independent adult themselves, right? We live in an age of entitlement. I know the the older generations, and I'll include myself in that this morning. I know the older generations like to point to the younger generations and cry entitlement. But the reality is no matter what generation we are, we, are, we have become so blessed and so spoiled that it's easy for any of us to slide into Entitlement. Entitlement basically means we start to believe that we deserve the things that are normally earned. We look at things people have who've worked hard for those things, whether it's material possessions or a healthy marriage or a ministry, and we think that, well, that must have just fallen in their laps, and if God did it for them, he owes it to me too. What we don't realize is that person probably has paid a very significant price in hard work and discipline to have what they have. They had a series of ifs, and they chose to do what it took to get where they are. The kingdom of God is no different. Yes, we receive the grace of salvation and forgiveness by asking, but even in doing so, there's an if. If we will surrender our lives to the king. Right? And, the king, and, and everything from there forward is governed by ifs. If we choose to walk with Jesus and make time to be with him and learn from him, then we will have intimacy with him. You have as much of God as you want. And the if is always in front of us. Will you choose what will lead you towards intimacy with Jesus? Right? If. If my people who are called by my name. A huge part of Israel's path back to God was remembering who their God was. When they went astray, as they often did, it was always in following and worshiping other gods, the gods of the culture around them. Those gods were not just symbols of something, But the idols they worshipped represented actual demonic beings. And it's exactly the same for us today. Sounds kind of freaky and scary. But it's true. Um, I know that probably none of us has shrines to Hindu gods in our house or a golden calf that we bow down to every morning. But when we fall Into a pattern of sin in our lives, we choose to trust something other than God and His path to provide joy, peace, protection, provision, pleasure. And when that happens, we're not just getting distracted, but we're actually giving our allegiance to the demons behind our world's cultural values. We forget who we are and we forget whose we are and we we commit idolatry and spiritual adultery when we turn our hearts away from Jesus. We are unfaithful to Yahweh, the one and true God. Our sin and our disobedience is a bigger deal than we realize it is it put Jesus on the cross. It's a pretty big deal, right? But it's also more easily recovered from than we realize it is if we recognize it, if we confess it, if we remember who we are and we come back to the Father, He is quick to forgive and restore. He is so good. We are more than we think we are and Jesus calls us to live like it. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray. Our first parents' failure is still ours. We, uh, we can't point to them as much as we'd like to. We can't point to them and say, why did you mess up our lives, right? It would be nice if we could blame it all on them. But the reality is we mess up our own lives every day, or on a regular basis at least, right? The problem for them is the, problem, the same problem for us that we were made to live in a loving and dependent relationship with Father God as our source, as our king. But Adam and Eve believed the lie of the devil that God was holding out on them and they would be better off running their own lives. They chose to disobey God and eat fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Which God instructed had instructed them not to touch. This wasn't just about eating the wrong fruit. It wasn't just about eating fruit that God told them not to touch, although their disobedience was, was a wrong as well. But it was about humans deciding that they should be able to define good and evil for themselves. Pride took root in their hearts, the same pride that caused the downfall of the deceiver. Pride took root in their hearts and they decided to become their own providers, their own teachers, and their own fixers. To pray is to make the humble choice of recognizing that there is a God and it's not you. Right? To pray is to recognize the sovereignty of God, the lordship of God, that He's God and I'm not. It's an act of surrender in which we recognize that we have a creator and we need a savior, we need a healer, we need a provider, And we choose to turn to God as our only hope. And we're going to talk next week about um, the corporate aspects of this. Um, But I want to just talk for a few moments this morning. We're we're just about done, not too much longer. But I, I want to talk for a few moments about What are some of the reasons that we choose not to pray? Why why does God have to say, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray? Why is it we don't? Right? Why is it that we don't? Well, I I picked some reasons that I think are probably common ones. You may be able to add to this list, but too busy. Too busy. Matthew chapter 6, verse 6 says, But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. This is from the New King James Version. I love the way it, it translates this. When you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Your Father is where? He's in the secret place. He's, he's, he's already there. He's in this. I mean, we go there, we shut the door, but He, was, he got there before we did. He's in the secret place. No one has more on the go than God does. Can we, can we agree to that? Right? Nobody's got a fuller schedule than he does. The God of the universe, the creator of all, is leaning in to hear our hearts. He's waiting in the secret place to meet with us. And again and again, we blow him off because maybe it doesn't fit our schedule, right? He's leaning in to hear our hearts. We're like, well, sorry, Lord, no time today. Too much to do. Is it it possible that we have so much to do because we're trying to produce the effects of prayer instead of praying? Right? We're running around trying to fix things and do this and do that and do this. And, and if we surrendered it to the Lord, maybe some of that stuff would be taken care of, right? I mean, I know you have to go get groceries and there's stuff we have to do, right? But is it possible that we're doing many of the wrong things because we haven't stopped to hear our Father and what He wants for us? What he has for us? Things will not change unless we humble ourselves and pray. Martin Luther, I'm challenged by this quote from Martin Luther who said at some point in his ministry, I have so much to do today that I shall spend the th- first three hours in prayer. Right? So much to do, so much on my list. I'd better get to prayer. Maybe sometimes we feel too ashamed to pray. I don't know about you, but there have been many times in my life when I've fallen into this place of hiding from my place of prayer or my time of prayer because there's something going on in my life. I've, I've, I've sinned. I've made some bad choices. I've whatever it is. And we feel ashamed to face God. We know that the only remedy for our sin is to run to Him. And yet somehow the devil is able to convince us that that's the last thing we want to do. So we avoid our time of prayer, right? The reality is God already knows every dirty little secret you have. There's nothing that's escaped his gaze. He already knows. So what are you gaining by hiding from him? He wants you to run to him. Because that's the only place to receive forgiveness and healing and to rekindle your relationship with him. Right? Maybe you feel too insignificant. God is a universe to run, after all. Why would, why would He bother with little old me? Right? Ever feel like that way? He doesn't have time to deal with my problems. Do you think that one moment or detail of your life has escaped the notice or care of God? Not one. Not one. So if if we think that way, if we think that God doesn't see, doesn't notice, doesn't care, then our picture of God is too small. Because God is fully invested into you being shaped into the image of Jesus. He's all in. He is fully invested in that. And he's ready to use everything you will trust to him for your growth and your perfection. And his invitation to you is to come to him and give it all over to him, no matter what it is. It's not too big, it's not too small. He's ready to take it on. Maybe you feel too ill equipped. Don't know how to pray. I hear this all the time. In fact, I I heard an influential pastor in our district recently say that when he hears other pastors pray, he finds it intimidating because he doesn't pray like that. What he needs to grab a hold of and what you and I need to grab a hold of today is that you don't need to pray like anyone else. Yes, we can learn from each other. We can grow in our praying over time. But what God wants is for you and I to pour out our hearts to him. Sometimes it'll sound weird. Sometimes it'll sound foolish. It may even sometimes be theologically inaccurate. But God's not checking a list to make sure you say everything right. He wants to hear your heart. So just pour it out to Him, however it comes out. And that's totally okay. And lastly, too disappointed. Maybe you're here this morning or watching online and you would say that You struggle to pray because you prayed and it didn't seem to change things. Maybe you prayed for someone to get well and they got sicker and died. Maybe you prayed to get a job or a promotion and someone else was offered it instead. But prayer is not about controlling our circumstances. It isn't about... Applying enough pressure to the Almighty that He does what you want Him to do. It's about meeting God in the question and being changed by the encounter. It's about trusting that He knows what He's doing even when life gets ugly. Yes, Prayer changes things. And sometimes our desires are granted and it changes the things that we wanted changed. But most often the thing that it changes is us as we humble ourselves and let God be God. So we're going to talk more next week. I'm going to get you to stand. We're going to talk more next week about how all of this leads us to a place where we actually impact more than just our own lives and families. We actually can begin to transform our region and our nation by following this prescription that God has given us. But for today, we learned that the beginning place of revival in our hearts is the if the if we have a choice to participate in revival or let it pass us by if we will lean in if we will turn from our distractions our sins and make god our priority if we will choose him And then remembering who we are and whose we are. We're not here on planet Earth to be the coolest or the richest or the most famous or to fit in with this world's agenda. We belong to Jesus. We are the people of Yahweh and our lives should reflect that. And if we humble ourselves and reconnect with God regularly in prayer, we begin to become candidates for what He wants to do in us. Because revival doesn't come when the pastor finally gets it together or the church finally does whatever or makes the right board decisions or, or, or when some ministry somewhere tips the scales and does the right thing. Revival starts when I get my heart back in tune with Jesus and what he wants for me. That's where revival begins. And as we collectively begin to come into a place where our hearts are committed to the works of Jesus in us and through us, God's going to do something here that's not just going to affect here, but it's going to affect our region, our province. Right? Yeah, send the fire. We can't start the fire hearing a Billy Joel song in my head. Yeah. Um, but it's always burning since the world's been turning. Anyways. It's not our fire that's going to make the difference. It's His fire. We need to lean into Him and let Him do what He's what He wants to do in us. Amen? So we're going to pray. I want to pray with you today. I want to pray that God, in this moment, um, starts something that He takes us another step in next week, because I believe there's something the Lord is trying to say to us. I believe there's some of you that are tired and discouraged And long in some place in your hearts to see God do something phenomenal. but You're like, God, where do we start? Well, this is where we start. Right? And uh, so we're going to pray. And then I want all the the men in the room over 18 to to come up in a moment. So we're going to do that. But Father, we're here before you this morning with our hearts turned towards you in this moment. God, there's a a longing, there's a desire to see the greater things that, God, you have said are available to us. God, we want to see miraculous salvations. We want to see amazing healings. We want to see entire neighborhoods uh, caught caught up with you, caught, caught up with, with what you're doing there in, 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 their, in their homes and in their lives and their families. God, we want to see amazing things happen. We, we've prayed into that. We've believed you for that. And God, today we're leaning into you saying, God, uh, we know that we can't make this happen. We need your fire. We need our hearts rekindled. We need you, God. We humble ourselves and call out to you, God, to pour out your Spirit upon us in a fresh way. So, Father, I pray that you would move in our lives. Start something in us today and take us the next step next week, we pray. Because, God, I believe that you... you, uh, You're you're depositing something in our hearts that's significant today. May we grab a hold of it, we pray, in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Amen. All right, men, come on up. All the men over 18, come on up. We want to honor you, whether you're... uh, a biological father or not? Yeah, those in the sound booth, I think,